0: Welcome to Search for Meaning. I'm Yoshi back Thanks for joining me. Why, when, where, what should I be? Is all I'm asking, for. It's an honor to share with you on this podcast my Yom Kippur sermon. It's called "Letting Go to Grow," and it's about how. By letting go in the right way at the right time, we can help those we love, those who work with us and ourselves to grow and become the people we're meant to be. And it's also about during the season of forgiveness surrounding Yom Kippur, letting go can help us to forgive others. Stay tuned and I hope, be inspired. Last month, Jacqueline and I dropped our youngest daughter off at college. This was our third time, so we knew the drill. The first order of business after helping schlep their luggage to their dorm rooms is the journey to bed, bath, and beyond. (laughs) Now this wasn't a thing when I went to school more than 30 years ago. My parents took me to Epley Airfield in Omaha, Nebraska. They helped me check in my duffel bags. They hugged me tight, wished me luck, and sent me on my way. A few hours later, I arrived at my destination, found my way to the shuttle bus, which took me to the campus, I dragged my heavy bags to the housing office, got my key, and, schwitzing profusely in the August heat, I met my roommates for the first time. Whatever we had forgotten to bring with us, well, the university store had many essential items, and there was a department store in town that was about a 10-minute walk away. And over the first few weeks of college, somehow we managed to procure everything we needed to get ourselves set up. That's not how it's done today. (laughs) At least not in my experience. By and large, parents accompany their children to school, and today it seems like it's the parent's job to procure those necessary items. Enter into any one of these domestic merchandise retail stores situated within a 30-minute drive of a university campus from mid-August to mid-September, and you'll see the same thing. Parents pushing shopping carts filled with bins, cleaning products, contraband microwave ovens and mini-fridges, and whatever else is on the list that's most likely been texted to them by their matriculating student. You can witness in real time panic setting in as you see one parent snatching the last twin-size mattress pad in the store. (laughs) It can get ugly. A little more than a month ago, we made this pilgrimage for the last time and we are now officially empty nesters, gradually getting used to our quieter, neater home. Each of these college drop-offs has taught me something powerful and profound about letting go. Lessons that can help us and those we love grow and mature. And especially on this day of atonement, lessons that can help us achieve healing and forgiveness. And while some of this wisdom relates to parenting, I want to acknowledge that not everybody in the room and everybody joining us online is a parent or will be a parent or wishes to be a parent, but we are all somebody's child and we all have relationships in our places of work and communities we care about where these lessons are applicable. The first lesson is that letting go at the right time and in the right way is good for others, for our loved ones, for our colleagues, or for those we mentor. They need us to let go of them. When our girls were little, we held them so tightly, literally and figuratively, God forbid we'd drop them. We'd check on them in the middle of the night to make sure they were still breathing I remember holding their little hands in mine as I helped them take their first steps, releasing them at just the right moment as they lurch forward and fall. And then I gently helped them get up so they could try again. I remember the first time they rode a bike without training wheels, standing there both proud and heartsick as the most precious thing on earth slowly rolled away from me down the street. Years later, it was teaching them to drive, me sitting in the passenger seat, gripping the door handle for dear life as they eased the car out of the driveway. Each of these moments came in its appointed hour at a time that is deemed appropriate to release our grip just a little bit more so that our little ones can grow up, mature, learn to care for themselves, and ultimately become productive members of society, all for their own good and for ours as well. We must let go little by little, stage by stage. Holding on too tight for too long is not healthy for our children or for ourselves. I see this sometimes with the couples that I marry. The mother of the groom phones me, to discuss her son's wedding. After wishing her mazel tov, I say gently, please have your son call me. It's better to have these conversations with the bride and groom directly. I'll meet with them in person and discuss all the details. Can I come to the meetings? Mom sometimes asks. (laughs) No, I say, but you can come to the wedding. (laughs) It's wonderful that parents want to help. But this isn't the best way. And our tradition understands this quite well. Stage by stage, our kids are supposed to become more capable, more self-reliant, less in need of our assistance. Rabbi Yehuda Ben Tema, a sage of the second century, teaches in Pirkei Avot, at five years of age, children begin to study Torah. At 10, they learn Mishnah. At 13, they become B'nai Mitzvah, subject to the commandments. At 15, they study Talmud. At 18, they marry and start their own home. At 20, they embark on a career. At 30, they reach the peak peak of strength. At 40, they achieve wisdom. At 50, they give counsel. If we want our children to become self-sufficient, productive adults whom others will someday come to for advice, We have to let them go so they can grow. We'll still cherish one another. We can visit and spend time together. They'll still be our children and we their parents. Maybe you heard the story about Sammy and his mother. One year on Rosh Hashanah, Sammy's mom woke him up in the morning to tell him it was time to get ready to go to temple. I'm not going, Sammy said. Why not, his mother said. I'll give you two good reasons. One, they don't like me. And two, I don't like them. His mother replied, I'll give you two good reasons why you are going to temple. One, you're 46 years old. (laughs) And two, you're the rabbi. If we hold on too tight for too long, we can cause damage to those we care about. A 2018 study found that overparenting, defined as over-controlling, over-protecting, and over-perfecting our children, impairs their ability to regulate emotions and behavior. And a 2014 study found that overparenting is associated with higher levels of anxiety and depression in the child, including college-age kids. Dr. Deborah Gilboa, a family practice physician who focuses on how parents can build resiliency in their children, suggests that good parenting means letting children struggle, allowing them to deal with disappointment, helping them learn how to work through failure, and empowering them to do the tasks that they are physically and mentally capable of As Dr. Gilboa puts it, remembering to look for opportunities to take one step back from solving our child's problems will help us build the resilient, self-confident kids we need. And the same is true for those we supervise and mentor. While a good mentor should encourage and advise their mentees, ultimately, it's up to the mentee, him or herself, to experiment, to fail, to recover, to succeed, to flourish, and eventually to move on to the next challenge. Just as a good mother or father shouldn't overparent their children, a good mentor shouldn't schedule and attend their mentees' job interviews or micromanage their day-to-day work lives. The second lesson about letting go is that it's good for us. Letting go can help us move forward. On our ancestors' journey from bondage to freedom, there were moments when they wanted to return, moments when it's clear that they haven't let go of Egypt yet, that they're still holding on to that past. When they tire of eating the manna in the wilderness, they cry out, we remember the fish that we used to eat in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic, and now our gullets are shriveled. There's nothing at all to eat, nothing but this manna to look to. As painful as Egyptian bondage was, many of the Israelites simply couldn't let go. They couldn't move on. But the only way forward was to journey away from Egypt into the unknown, despite the fears, despite the challenges that inherently accompany change. And once we let go, we know that there's no turning back. The only way is forward. In fact, one of the 613 mitzvot of our tradition is not to return to Egypt. Now, clearly, this doesn't mean that we forget the past. Quite the opposite. Our ancestors remember the good food in Egypt. We tell the story of our exodus at every Passover Seder and every time we say Kiddush on Friday nights. But letting go means accepting the fact that if we truly wish to move forward, we cannot return To the past this is a global moment for that wisdom we remember the way things used to be just a few short years ago we long sometimes to return to make things go back the way they were letting go means accepting that this is not possible we must move forward difficult as it is, to navigate the new normal or the now normal requires us to move on, not to forget, but to move on from the way things were and to create new and hopefully even better ways of doing things going forward. Our High Holy Day services this year are an example of this. Many of us are enjoying a return to in-person worship and the sense of community that it brings, whether we have to wear a mask or not. But also providing a high-quality streaming option allows for those who live far away or who face challenges in being here to participate and enjoy our special community on these special days. But it's not just about moving forward. Letting go can really be an act of self-preservation, something we need to do so that we can be whole. Our tradition teaches us this lesson through the example of Moses and the tablets on which the Ten Commandments were engraved. The Torah tells us the painful moment in which Moses sees the Israelites committing the sin of idolatry with the golden calf. In Exodus chapter 32, we read, As soon as Moses came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, he became enraged, and he hurled the tablets from his hands, and shattered them at the foot of the mountain. Rabbi Shmuel bin Meir, known as the Rashbam, a 12th century sage, shares a profound teaching about this painful moment. He writes that when Moses saw the golden calf, he was so upset, he became physically weak and he could no longer carry the weight of the tablets. And so he hurled them away As far as possible from himself, so that he wouldn't drop them on his feet. When he was carrying the tablets down the mountain, he held on to them tightly because they were precious to him. God forbid he would drop them. But when it became clear to him that because of his anger, because of the trauma of what he'd just seen, he could no longer hold on to the tablets that if he tried, he'd injure himself, he used the last bit of strength he had to push them away. Rabbi Sarah Hurwitz, a contemporary scholar, explains that in Rashbam's imagination, Moses simply could not hold on to what had suddenly turned into a heavy burden and threw the tablets away to protect his feet. But why is Rashbam so concerned about Moses' feet? Roshbaum understood that if Moses injured his legs, he would not be able to get up and climb the mountain again. If he hadn't known when to let go, if he had not preserved his physical and emotional well-being, he would not have found the resilience to get up and try again. The act of shattering the tablets is what made Moses the greatest leader of all times. The formula for Moses was knowing when to grasp tightly and when to let go. Moses understood that holding on to the tablets was no longer safe, no longer healthy for him physically or emotionally. So too with us. Sometimes for our own well-being, we have to let go of the hurt, of the anger, of a relationship, of the pain, And this is the urgent and timely part of my message for this Day of Atonement. What hurt, what pain, what regret do we need to let go of so we can grow, so we can become our best selves, so we can be whole spiritually and physically, and so we can forgive and be worthy of forgiveness? It's hard work, this letting go. Often those we've heard us fail to apologize or attempt to make restitution for the harm that they've done. Sometimes they might not even be aware of the ways they've wronged us. I want to be very clear. I am not suggesting that every transgression is forgivable. Clearly, there are some things that we can't let go of that are beyond the pale. But in your own experience... Wouldn't you say that most of the ways that others have hurt you can be forgiven? Even if their apology is lame, one of those, I'm sorry, you feel that way, non-apology apologies that tend to make things worse, not better. Even then, Roshbaum and Rabbi Hurwitz suggest that for our own good, for our own souls, our own selves, we should find the way to let go of the pain, to let go of the hurt and move on. Letting go can be hard, but it's necessary, and it can be healing and nourishing as well. And it is often a release, freeing us from something that is holding us back. Author Jack Cornfield frames this powerfully through a story about the reunion of two former prisoners of war. One asks the other, have you forgiven our captors yet? And the other replies, no, are you crazy? I'll never forgive them. The first one looks with kindness at his friend and says, well, then they still have you in prison, don't they? Letting go doesn't mean forgetting. I can close my eyes and remember well what it was like to hold their little hands in mine to have them fall asleep on my chest, my breathing lifting their little bodies. Sometimes I just want to go back. I want that moment again, but those chapters are over now and a new one has arrived. There will be, I trust, satisfaction and beauty in this chapter as well, but to experience it and appreciate it fully I must let go of the past. In this new year, oh God, may we be given the wisdom, the strength, and the courage to discern when to hold on and when to let go for those we love, for those we support, those we serve, and for ourselves as well. Well, that's our podcast Thanks for tuning in. I hope you found meaning in this sermon. I want to thank our crew for making this recording available and to our amazing music director, Tali Toddmore, for this beautiful piano outro. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned.